0: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Drive into the Basket. My name is Mike, back here with Price again for yet another draft preview. Uh, Said it before, I'll say it once again. Price, always good to have you on here for these. I know. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. All right, so today we're going to go over a fairly polarizing prospect, and that is Jairus Walker out of the University of Houston. Now, one thing I want to get to before we get into Jairus Walker is that I've seen him conflated with Isaiah Stewart quite a bit, and just because they're both, I don't know, pretty big dudes with the same haircut, and I want to push back against that one. They're two different players, and Jarius has kind of gotten the reputation of a more athletic Isaiah Stewart, which is not accurate. They're very different in mentality, different in skill set, and he particular, in particular, seems to be getting all of the good of Isaiah's qualities, and Isaiah does some genuinely good qualities. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so. He has some stuff Isaiah doesn't. The opposite is true, too.
1: I mean, I was saying this earlier today, but they're very different players. Yeah. They, they have a similar build, and that's about where the similarities end. Jairus is overall just the more skilled basketball player, but Isaiah also has his strengths, too, that Jairus doesn't have, and it's they, they aren't one-to-one in very many respects other than being kind of smaller for their position.
0: Yeah. So let's head into Jairus, six foot six and a half by NBA reckoning, seven foot two and a half wingspan, 248 pounds, about 19 and three quarters on draft night with Houston, 11.7 rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal on 46 and a half, 35, 66 splits, a pretty poor 53.5, really 53.4% if we want to get uh, super accurate true shooting percentage. And with a really crappy shot profile. So, attempted about 29.5% of his shots from the rim, shot 67% there on a 55% assisted profile. And here comes the ugly part 41% of his shots were mid range jumpers. On these, he shot 40%, not good. And then the additional 30% from three point range, he shot about 35%, almost all of them assisted. So, pretty strong strength and agility measurements at the Combine overall really in every category, uh, particularly in a two-foot jump, uh, excuse me, max standing vertical, which is only really useful when you're talking about rebounding, but that's useful. So uh, let's get on just to the physical pros. And this one is probably a little bit less obvious than all of the other players we have gone over. So uh, where would you start in terms of his physical assets?
1: Yeah, the, this is the start of he um, the... Jairus Walker is a very interesting player because he is very strong, very big bodied, yet I'm almost more intrigued by his ability to play in space and his quick feet than I am with his pure strength because he doesn't really utilize that. Um, Broad shoulders, tons of uh, room to even add muscle, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not really enamored with how he utilizes that strength all that much. And instead, I think he's more of a twitchy type player.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's got impressive athleticism for a player of his size. Twitchy is a good way of putting it. He moves fast. You know, he's, he's got a, a good top speed, good acceleration, good weeper, pretty bouncy. Hmm. You know, the lateral movement, the agility. Yeah, he's, he's a sneaky, but I would say he's a sneaky good athlete. It's not sneaky. It's just surprising
1: for a guy of his size. Right, if you're a Pistons fan, you're used to Isaiah Stewart um not being the most explosive of players and while I wouldn't care- characterize Jerus as a ultra elite, I think he's definitely in the average to above average range when it comes to twitchiness at um at, at the big position.
0: Yeah, he can cover a lot of ground in the interior though. Yeah. He can do oh, it very yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, moving laterally and and mm-hmm. just exploding out there in terms of attacking closeouts, just roaming in the defensive end. You don't see as much on offense. But, you know, I'd, I'd say he's probably like a guy with like 75th percentile athleticism in the NBA, which is very respectable. That's, oh, yeah. that's a, his ability to just cover ground in the interior is, is I think, maybe his most intriguing characteristic, though he can definitely get up off of two feet as well.
1: Yeah, I, not not a great one-foot leaper, but, um, two feet, he can explode upward and finish above the rim. Um, pretty good in transition from what I recall, For a guy of his physical stature, but you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's not, um, going to set the world on fire, but I don't think he's going to hold a team back with his athleticism.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I would put him as as a genuinely good NBA athlete. I mean, I, I was pretty impressed at least with his physical assets in that capacity. And I agree with you, he doesn't really use his strength. We'll get to that later. But the fact that he's big, not easily moved, and can jump really high off of two feet makes him a pretty strong rebounder. And he's got a good wingspan. Yeah, very good. That length. Yeah, that length is important. NBA is so much of a game of inches these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the con side of things, I would start with just not the quickest hips, which is an issue we'll get to later, and then his size at the position that uh, is most likely to be playing power forward, maybe some small ball center as well. He's only well, coming at six, seven in the NBA, which isn't bad size, but it's
1: not great. Yeah. That's the, he's the tweener type yeah. of big, where it's like, he's not quite, um, Durin isn't even the, the necessarily the tallest center, but he more than makes up for it with the athleticism, strength, and sheer length that he plays at. Um, yeah, Whereas Isaiah Stewart, and this is you know the last time I am going to even compare, bring up Isaiah Stewart <laughs> on this podcast, is in that tweener mold where he's very stout, big for his size, yet at the same time, um, not not quite that traditional center profile, while at the same time a bit oversized for the general wing or big wing power forward Slow. we, we Slow. see. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, even, yeah, even if he dropped weight, I think he'd still be slow. Isaiah is just not physically, uh, in terms of his athleticism, is not gifted, not explosive, not fast, not a good Weaver. No. No. Like 10th percentile, probably in all those categories. Yeah. So uh, just move on to the pros in the offense. I mean, I, I think probably the thing you have to start with with Jairus Walker is the passing.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be the key to his whole argument for even being an option in this range of the draft is his, his basketball IQ and mind is very, very high, very good soft skill player. Um, really, really quite excellent. Um, when on dribble handoffs, um, with like another in a two man action, he can pass out of that really well. So he, his vision that he plays at to me is, um, going to be the main selling point which is this is a guy who who can scan the floor and actually be an option for um moving the ball and not just a rudimentary way he's going to be able to find the open man he understands gravity really well and i'm i think there's something interesting uh i think there's something interesting there on offense for whichever team drafts him
0: yeah, completely agree with you on the IQ. As a passer, he's got good vision. I mean, he's, he's a good actual passer, you know, in terms of making the pass, good decision-making, a connector, connective passer guy who can probably pass out of the short roll when he's playing in the pick-and-roll. Sees the play, processes quickly, and makes good decisions. Not all guys, even in the NBA, can do that. It's it's just the ability to see, ideally, well, for him, I think, at least a large portion of the floor, and make that decision quickly, which you refer to as his processing speed yeah so yeah uh, that's that's definitely gonna be one of his defining characteristics you know going you know in no particular order, I think he's a guy who'd make a solid roll man in a vertical spacer i mean he gets up high off of two feet mm-hmm. and you know he's a pretty strong finisher around the rim when it's created for him,
1: yeah and yeah, um, should set mean screens technically it, you would you would uh hope, but the main strength i think is going to be what he can do um in response to to different looks that defenses throw him he's reactive and that's like a good thing in his case because he's able to sort of adapt his plan very frequently and it recognizes okay this is where the pressure is coming i can move here and get a better look for myself or i can pass out here this is where the open man is um In general, I think that's going to be his mold as that point forward or not even just point forward, but just as a guy who can be that passing hub from the big position in in a way that's non-trivial.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the thing you hope for from Duren as well, but there is like occasionally the rare guy. I mean, just going back real quickly to my talk about him serving as a role man. Rare guy who you can get the ball in the midst of the roll and might be able to make the right, you know, should be able to make the right pass, you know, even from that position, even off the dribble. So, you know, definitely, definitely a valuable quality. And strong cutter, low-volume source of offense in the NBA, but, you know, useful. Moves explosively in that respect. It can catch lobs, of course. Uh, I feel like pretty strong finisher on the basket, again, when somebody creates for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned transition. He runs the floor really well. Yep. Yeah, has small ball potential upside.
1: I think that's honestly the most interesting role for him is when a team decides to go super small and he's able to do all of the things that he, he can on offense to really be a mismatch in space against another team's big while at the yeah. same time being and we'll get to this too, being hopefully able to stretch the floor, that could be a pretty enticing utilization of his talents.
0: Yeah. In terms of floor stretching, 34% on catch-and-shoot threes, not great, but 38% on unguarded catch-and-shoots, which is more encouraging. And you know, maybe some post-upside on hooks, though he tends to take them pretty far from the basket. We're going to talk about that very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anything else to add to the list as far as his, his pros at the NBA level on offense?
1: yeah i just to get into it on the shooting um there it's it's kind of a mixed bag and we we definitely need to talk about that in the con section too but he seems pretty confident and comfortable when the taking an open three feeling like he can do it yeah and you know at the end of the day if he's going to be playing five for long stretches then that's a a, a very good skill to have is just a big who can take the open look is is valuable. Yeah. Definitely the ability to
0: to pull the opposing center out of the three point line is, is definitely very useful. So, I mean, moving on to the cons on offense, we're both going to say the same thing, and this is a con as a result of which the more I watch tape, the more the less I liked him and almost the more I disliked him. He is painfully horribly contact, you know, contact averse. This is another way I'm going to bring up Isaiah Stewart again. I'm only going to bring <laughs> up, up one more time after this. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. If you, if you set him up at the baseline and you said, Isaiah, I want you to run the length of the floor and then run straight into the opposing center at full speed. he'd probably do it on every play. I mean, Isaiah is in the hundred percentile as far as work ethic on the court and also team focus. He'll do whatever it takes to help his team. One of those rare guys I think would happily take zero shots. If he thought that was the best, if he was told that was the best thing. Uh, Jarrus Walker like horribly contact avoidant on offense I mean on defense it's not as much of an issue but like settles for bad jumpers bad floaters hooks for you know hooks from a distance he'll even take floaters from near the basket if there's anybody nearby uh, he stops for for pull-ups like eight feet from the basket he doesn't drive into contact he he won't use his side and size and strength mm. to get himself good opportunities around the
1: basket. Yeah, it's just it's awful to watch. Yeah, it's weird because he wants to get to the post but not actually try to score from the post at all. He wants to pass out of it and eventually teams are going to they're going to key in on that and they're going to make him pay. And that's I saw that happen way too much and that's not even coming with the driving if there's an open lane He can drive in and score and that's a pretty comfortable look for him. But Mm -hmm. how often is that actually going to occur at the NBA level? Even, and we can talk about this, the Houston system was not super conducive to generating that for him. So one could argue that the, that in high school, the film is a lot more encouraging with his driving ability that he actually was much more straight line, not trying to take these longer routes to the basket that um, avoided contact as much, but instead he would charge at people, run downhill, and hopefully create a look in high school. And the hope, I guess, would be that in a bigger spacing league than in the NCAA, he'll feel more comfortable with the type of looks he's going to get when he's driving that maybe he'll feel better about not taking really ridiculously terrible <laughs> waters. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's almost like watching Killian Hayes at times where it's like in a completely yes. different body, um, three inches taller and much, much more built, just 50 pounds heavier. Yeah. Right. Stopping yeah. and, and settling for a terrible floater or, Hook shot or, or a bad something. jumper, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. and yeah, it's painful. It's he doesn't painful have, and that's this is the next con too is he doesn't have the pull up shooting to make teams punish for going under on him. Yeah, but, for all. sure. Yeah, the pull-up shooting is I can't remember the stat. It's ridiculously bad. Pull-up. Oh,
0: I have it. Yeah, he's yeah, at, right. he's at thirty percent on pull up twos. Yeah, also thirty four percent on floaters. So. Uh, I mean, I I see maybe where you're coming from at the high school level. Of course, guys like Jairus Walker are deities amongst men at the high school level. And I don't think it's a matter of comfort. I mean, even when it comes to just clearing space out around the basket rather than just pulling up and taking a bad jumper, he won't do it. I -hmm. think it's more of a matter of lack of willingness. And when it comes to just him driving, I mean, his touch is terribly shut. Like around forty percent on half court layups when when he was attacking off the drive, but yeah, his mid range jumpers and floaters thirty five excuse me thirty percent on pull up twos, thirty four percent on floaters. He has that hook shot he likes, but he takes it like fifteen feet from the basket because he because he or I don't know maybe like ten feet because he can't be bothered to try to back, to, to back anybody down, and that's not going to fly in the NBA against much better, longer defenders. So yeah, he's real bad at those shots, and he loves to take them. <laughs> he will not you know he will not attack through contact. He will not. Like, okay, Isaiah Stewart again. Like, Isaiah will do whatever he can to establish position. He will back down anybody he can on, on mismatches. Even on mismatches, Jairus Walker will not try to push himself close to the basket. This is true. I mean, the guy is painful to watch on offense. And it's like, what what is going through your head? Like, why are you doing this? Yeah, it doesn't use that size of his. Like, it, it just hurts to watch. And it's going to be a massive weakness at the NBA level. Not only is it hamstring him as a scorer, but yeah, the NBA teams are just going to give him enough happily give him the rope to hang himself. Just take a bad shot here. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Right. We'll back
1: off. Take a bad shot. You're welcome to yeah. do it. That that is the key for so many NBA defenses. Is we we know that we can't guard everything, so we have to just limit the damage to the low percentage areas. Obviously, offenses know that too, and they have counters designed to not be funneled that way, but. When you have a player whose mismatches on film are so obvious that even I can spot them, that the NBA teams are going to see that and they're going to game plan like you're saying, and just okay, we'll we'll give you all that space in the middle, and sure, you you might be able to pass out of it, but what what can you do when we take away the pass too? In addition to that, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, unless he gets much, much better at these mid-range
0: jumpers. But e- even then, I mean, he's, he is locking himself out of a very important category of offense around the basket in particular. But the fact that he will even take these jumpers that he is horrendous at, and very few guys in the NBA can make these pull-up jumpers on volume. Very few. And I doubt Jarrett is going to be one of them, particularly against harder defenders, much better defenders in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like, goodness gracious, the contact aversion is just so blatant. And again, I just don't get it. And it's not something you can count on him changing in the NBA. And when we've seen that in the case of Killian Hayes, that's for sure. So major warning sign.
1: That is definitely a huge area of concern about if he's going to be this guy who's using a lot of high IQ, high feel. He can really relocate the ball well, both on and off ball. Can he actually exploit that mismatch that's created for him when, say, Ivy or Cade breaks down the defense?
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait. You know, Cade is going to attack in the high pick and roll. You know, draw coverage, draw double coverage on his way to the basket. Pass to Ivy, who's going to slash in. Pass to Jerris, who's going to take a mid-range pull-up. <laughs> it's going to be awesome.
1: I can see it. I can see it. That's the yeah. crazy thing. Don't, don't joke like that.
0: Yeah, and if he's the if he's playing small ball center. He's not going to do anything to clear lanes around the basket.
1: Yeah, that's, that's yeah. an undervalued uh, aspect of playing the small lineup is that you have to have a guy like Kevon Looney who can at least open up lanes to the basket.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like this is something that just playing physically, you know, putting putting your body on the line like that is something that is expected of NBA players. You know, period. In fact: If he will not do it, it's a huge weakness. But Killian, it's like a shameful weakness, and it it just severely impacts his game. And Jerris Walker, I mean, with with the size and strength, what he should be able to do, yeah. And, and the guy's just willing in the course of avoiding contact to, to, to you know to attempt a bunch of really bad offense, and that is a huge red flag too. So I don't remember who brought up this term, but it's like you know your dog for hundred possessions, dog with a W. <laughs> you know, Isaiah is like a hundred, and Jerris is on offense is
1: more like. I don't know like 5 there it's it's weird I I wonder if it's a there was a poor scheme fit at Houston um I'd be shocked if that were it but that that's where where you would hopefully see that improvement if you are a real big Jets fan is that the you take the offensive skill and then the defense hopefully or not defense the ability to sort of actually impact near the basket comes back in a different system. I don't know. How, how likely do you think that is? I, if I could give a percentage that'd be accurate, I would uh, have a very different job, but (laughs) I I would, I, I was more in on it when I was just thinking of him as a four, Mm -hmm. but when I revisited the, the tape again, this week I kind of came down on he's more of a tweener four five and his best utilization is probably as a five for big stretches of, of games. Hmm. So in that way, I kind of view it as, as this is going to lower my overall take on what he can do on offense, which is just not enough of the big things that you need to actually give him that utilization and let it be really effective hmm. because I don't believe in his ability to clear lanes to that extent that you're talking about. Not even that. I mean, let's say you
0: get him the ball 10 feet away from the basket. He should be able to use that strength to get himself closer and get a good opportunity around the rim, but he won't. He just doesn't do it. So, Or, or even just clear out space for, for him to receive a pass from the driver. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it it really hurts, and for me, it's a huge red flag. Also, just something I strongly dislike in Killian that I strongly dislike in Jairus Walker. But, I mean, the thing about Killian is that it's not so much that he was not contact-averse in EuroCup, it's just that he was fast enough and big enough that he often didn't have to attack through contact. He'd just get to the rim. But if he did get confronted, he would take a floater. So, (laughs) even for him, yeah, it was there. So, uh, another thing, no creation as a scorer at the at the NCAA level. Except for this, he is great at creating bad shots. He is awesome at creating low percentage shots. <laughs> if you want to talk about creating, that's all he creates. Aside from that odd you know hook out of the post. You know, he's not attacking off the drive. His mid-range jumpers suck, his floaters suck. He's not creating offense around the basket.
1: Uh, yeah, I that is all very apparent where the term zero level scorer might be thrown about because I'm not exactly sure how he scores effectively from anywhere except on the catch at the three-point line because he's not even very good at the the free-throw line either. No.
0: Yeah, not at all.
1: You know, if you're going to even draw that that contact, you'd hope to at least capitalize on the easy points, but he's not even a reliable three-point shooter, which is pretty concerning And I don't know, I'm not as married to the idea that free throw percentage necessarily translates into NBA three-point the same as like a linear thing, but Mm -hmm. that if one number is really low, it's very oftentimes an indicator for problems shooting elsewhere, especially at that standstill shooting, which is going to be the absolute minimum of offensive skill he'll need to play any starting role in the NBA, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean you're not even gonna throw him out there as your as your starting center, of course, because he's just too short. I mean six six and a half, he's giving up five inches to a lot of guys and you know your length can only compensate so much. But yeah, uncertain future as a shooter, I agree. I think probably he'll be decent, but may never be good. May never be a guy you you want shooting at volume and not a guy you're gonna really treat as a real catch and shoot threat on volume. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, his his shot, like you said, when he gets the ball, you know, he's confident shooting it. He had some bad bricks, though, like some actual bad bricks, which I consider to be another warning sign. But here's a guy who doesn't he isn't isn't there as a shooter yet. And there's no certainty that he's necessarily
1: going to get there. And yeah, he needs to have that. And one of the key things to look at is how do teams defend him? They tend to sag off, which is a pretty big indicator that they're not afraid of the shot. Is, I mean, they they look at the numbers, too. They see those pull-up numbers, and they're going to give him all the space that he feels confident in. I mean, quite frankly, you wonder, outside of being probably a pretty good three-point shooter position, I think that he's not going to really be a threat to, to get defenses to collapse on his shot without massive, and I mean massive, improvements in that regard.
0: Yeah, they don't have to worry about him attacking also. I mean, they can just, they can sag off. They can, you know, and defend on somebody else. They can, you know, his shot is slow, so if they're anywhere close, they can contest, and they don't have to worry about him driving past them for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, I that's pretty much all I got to say about Jiras on offense.
0: Yeah, well, I'd say his free throw percentage is also super low for a guy his size and at his position, but that's not surprising given his strong aversion to contact. And his overall efficiency was not good, you know, not terrible for the NCAA level, but you want to see a lot better from, uh, from a guy who's taken this high. So let's move on to his defense where we have more nice things to say about him Yes, and say engaged, active, you know, very mobile and uh, you know, and moves very well and seems to really enjoy playing defense.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like that, that switch that goes off on some players where they get real comfortable on that end of the floor, and they're they're just happy playing defense, and you can tell that with Jairus, he's super active, and this is something I was looking at more. He's probably maybe the best pure rim protector outside of Victor Wembanyama, obviously, in the class in terms of just the overall activity level that he plays with. He's super good at getting in front of people and setting his feet. His IQ and anticipation lets him jump into lanes before they're even fully created in order to get the foul or to alter shots in a meaningful way. And while yes, he isn't the tallest or biggest center. I think there's something there that teams can actually build with.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of at center, I mean, you should be able to bang yes. in the post and hold his own. Yeah. He uses his guys. strength well in that role. Yeah. On defense. Yeah. So, I don't know, you can say it again similar to Killian, who is not afraid of contact on defense, only on offense for whatever reason. So yeah, he's he's got a combination of length and lateral mobility and anticipation that really makes him a great interior roamer. Explodes into passing lanes, just uses mm-hmm. his length to disrupt stuff, can easily reposition from the perimeter back to around the basket to block a shot. You know, should be a strong help side defender, should be a decent rim side decent rim defender straight on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his mobility on defense is genuinely very good, like impressively good.
1: Yeah, I I would agree that the tools that allow him to be an effective player are really shown on defense. And if he could play the same way with the same intensity and anticipation on offense, then I think we would have a lot less to criticize him for. Yes, I
0: agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he just... he, he does well, quite well at most things. Uh, you know, on ball he yeah, he moves really well laterally. He uses his length really well. He sticks to guys for the most part. You know, mo- mostly players around to, you know around his position. And so, yeah, just just strong overall defender with one big gap that we'll, we're about to get to. Anything else, to add on the pro
1: side of things? Overall, I would say this is a strong defensive prospect and. He's going to be able to make the defensive game just flow much more effectively for whoever he's playing with pretty good communicator and good reader of the basketball and anticipator of where plays are going and getting guys to the right spot. I think that it's just a matter of how much can he actually guard in space and'll we'll yep. get that
0: yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's something I think it'd be fitting to mention right now. So, as a switch defender, I'd say he can guard to like down to the three for the most part, but he's not actually all that good at switching on guards. And as one mention: Isaiah Stewart again. Isaiah Stewart has a combination of quick feet and really loose hips, you know, which which just allow him to reposition. Uh, just that first defensive first step when a guy's trying to get past him, and also when a guy's trying to ball handle against him. Wallace does not have that. It's not Wallace. Keep mixing up that name Walker, have yeah. that. So he got beaten by guards at the NCAA level with the first step, and these were not necessarily explosive guards, and that is a big weakness in general, especially in the postseason. But it's also just a big gap for a guy who profiles to provide a lot of his value on defense.
1: It, I I would agree. Where if he's supposed to be this multi-positional guarding one through whatever defender, it does feel like it's a massive area of concern that he can't really guard ones and the fastest of players that well at all. And I would would say not
0: even, sorry to interrupt, but not even the fastest of players, I would say even just above, above average athletes at the guard positions. I
1: think he has, he'd have trouble with in the NBA. And point being, he's just going to be a guy that is going to maybe provide less perimeter defensive impact than you would think. And for a team like the Pistons, who need as much defensive help as anybody, Mm -hmm. I'm quite frankly a little bit hesitant to say that he's going to be that franchise alterer on that end that Mm -hmm. guys in past drafts uh, have been.
0: Yeah, and just again, I come back to this is not like a highly complete defensive player. I mean, the inability to really switch on to guards is a weakness, and it's a big gap for a guy, you know, who you'd think of as this like defensive stalwart. Because that's 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 just a big gap. It's not a ruinous gap, but it's a big gap. Yeah, and in the postseason, it'll be exploited,
1: as every mismatch will be exploited ruthlessly. Yeah, but absolutely. It's not to say that he won't be a good defender. I I feel pretty confident that he will be. It's just that when we are talking about a high first round pick, like pick five is mm-hmm. the standards are just that much higher than yes. the generic lottery pick. If we were picking four or five picks later, I'm ecstatic to see Jerris Walker's name on available. And we're running, we're running that pick up there, but there's almost a talent sort of difference that I get kind of concerned about. The more I think about what, role he would actually play. Yeah.
0: I mean, you look at some of the, some of the better scorers in the league. I mean, if you look at the list and you look at all the guys who are going to be able to get by him, you know, Willard Curry, you know, you play him up against the Mitchells of the world, Devin Booker, even somebody like Jalen Brown, who I know I'm saying this today after he was terrible uh, against (laughs) the heat, but even him, like small forwards who just have a good degree of burst should be able to get by Jairus Walker on the perimeter.
1: You know, even the guy like Jay and Ivy, maybe. Um, oh, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that I'm, I'm definitely in the of, opinion where his defensive, where he's strong defensively, he's very strong. It's just that it's a little bit more narrow than is usually talked about, at least at this stage. And you need you need some intel to say that actually this guy is going to be a much more complete defender and will at least be able to switch on in late clock situations on a guard and not be absolutely cooked.
0: Yeah. His hips are just slow. He just does not turn well when a guard tries to get past him to the side. So yeah, yeah, I I think that hurts. And and again, like you said, this is the fifth pick. If you're selecting a guy in part on his defensive prowess is a big gap. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else about his
1: defense before we move on to fit? Uh, no, it's pretty positive to be honest. Yeah, um, of that one thing, yeah.
0: All right, so fit, which I think with the Pistons is questionable. Like, you know, the questionable shooting means potentially poor fit next to Durin's traditional center. You don't want shaky shooters next to traditional center. Also, Caden Ivy, you want that space for. So not ideally to not ideal to bring a guy who may just not be a high level scorer, high high level shooter ultimately and I just don't think he's a natural jump
1: shooter. And then you mix the fact that we're at this point pretty uncertain about his ability to be an effective scorer period. Yeah. That it makes the fit that much more tenuous mm-hmm. with what the core seems to be. Obviously, things are very fluid with a young team, but it doesn't seem all that great on paper, especially when we have a lot of these developmental bigs in the system. And oh, yay! Yeah, forgot I forgot about that aspect. Bagley and
0: Wiseman, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. remember that as what it was possible. The offseason <laughs> should give me the opportunity to forget, but it doesn't.
1: No. No, it's that that knife that just keeps getting turned just ever so slightly um in Pistons fan psyche as we uh move through the offseason here. But it's I'm not that big. I was a little bit more on it when I th- felt like he could be a four who could very easily slide up and down lineups. Whereas I think he's he's kind of like 4.5 player and leaning even five in terms of where he's the most effective. And that is an absolute non-starter for me. (laughs) So
0: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say. Definitely like it. I agree he's a little bit above power forward. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like some of his offensive utility is on the roll where I think he can be fairly strong, but you're not going to have him running the roll next to Jalen Duran.
1: No. Yeah, no. You just you just need a guy who can be a little bit more adaptable and moldable to different situations to so if he's in his in his Jarrus Walker's archetype. Not every player needs to be highly adaptable necessarily to be effective, but I'm just a little bit more skeptical on his ability to actually meet the billing of this very versatile player that he is sold as. Yeah.
0: Especially playing next to a traditional big. A traditional big of whom we hope will have passing that will come along too, where you could see some overlap, which would, you know, lessen the the value of the passing for them both. Because you can't really run two dedicated interior playmakers.
1: No. No, there's not that's one case where there's just this one rock and there's not enough touches for both of them. Yeah. I mean more guys you can pass is better than less, but you know, if True. we're talking about really capitalizing on,
0: on that talent, which is hopefully they're in Durn as well. Yeah. You can't really do it with both of them on the floor at the same time. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like, I feel like the team, the Pistons are a team that needs spacing or that needs passing. I mean, Kate's going to have the ball a lot. Ivy's going to have the ball a fair amount and you want to be able to space the floor for them. You want to be able to not have a shaky shooter next to Jalen Duran. The Pistons cannot run a Warriors model. Nobody can. <laughs> so, uh, except for like sort of the heat during the regular season, but that's bolster. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't want to, at this point, hear any compare. I haven't heard any, blessedly, between Bam Adebayo and, and Jairus Walker. I mean, Bam, the maniacally hard worker, and Jairus, the guy who
1: avoids contact. And Bam's just a different level of athlete. It's not, not really yeah. comparable. Um, I yeah. mean, I have heard a little bit of that as a comparable, where it's like, imagine if Bam sort of fell because he didn't have great tape in college and put up pretty good tape in high school and the idea is that maybe maybe Jairus just had a bad stretch of games low sample size with NCAA obviously the and... whole season the whole the whole season was a sample size <laughs> yeah no I, I'm just saying that the NCAA season is short yeah that's true I'm, I'm trying to just sort of talk talk us through the argument and uh. It's, it's something where I feel like the the upside is there. It's just I'm not very confident on the floor being a fit. So you need a lot of development for Walker to sort of become this sort of offensive hub type player who can just beat teams in a ton of different ways with his passing, with better scoring, better off ball utility in general and obviously better shooting too as part of that mm-hmm. and that is there if only because he has the toughest component which is the the basketball iq requisite for this to even be in the conversation but i worry that the basketball skills just are never going to come to that point because it comes very few players get that good
0: I just feel like yeah, there's that, and I, I just feel like he's not the not the sort of player you really necess- really want to put next to Kate Ivy and Duran
1: and and try to maximize all four of them,
0: yeah, for sure That's the point. so uh, let's move on to his ceiling like let's assume he gets the shooting together and radically alters himself as a scorer um I mean, I, I think he has it in him to be a high level defender, maybe not an all defensive guy, but but up there, and then on offense if he can shoot his threes. And, and use that frame to clear out more space and, uh, and and serve as a passer I mean I
1: feel like that's a that could be a very valuable role player yeah I think that there's even slightly above that in terms of peak ceiling where he's a in the conversation for all defensive hmm. team it's just and providing good scoring as well good passing being just a good offensive piece but um that to me is just the absolute pipe dream with his development if it really just takes off in the next however long whereas i think you're right he's kind of like a really good role player if he can iron out some of the shooting inconsistencies which i think are pretty workable the form is a little wacky but not not to the level of like a thompson twin wacky and there's there's probably some hope there that the shooting will at least uh, elevate and that maybe the contact version will get a little bit better. And then you might have a pretty good role player for a lot of teams. Yeah, I'd be surprised at the all-defensive thing because unless you're
0: Rudy Gobert, I don't think there's a big over the last many seasons who wasn't a strong switch defender who's made all-defensive. Well, Rudy's like an average switch
1: defender. It's just like he's a thousand percent better on drop. I mean, he's one of the probably four or five best drop defenders to ever play the game. Yeah, so that's for sure. You, you can't expect that out of anybody. No, <laughs> other no. than maybe Victor Wembinyama, but you know, he can hold his own in switches. He's just much less valuable there. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I don't think there's another guy over the last, you know, in the spacing era at least, who wasn't able to switch. And nonetheless, well, if you want to call Hassan Whiteside in 2016, but that was really at the beginning.
1: Yeah.
0: But after that, there really hasn't been anybody. I feel like that is – well, whatever. That, that's a different story. So, I to say
1: absolute ceiling.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andis Floor, a guy who never learns how to shoot, remains contact-averse. I mean, you've got basically an undersized center who can't play any other position.
1: Uh, a, a guy who – makes isaiah stewart look like a legitimate nba starter ouch that that, i think that's the absolute floor with jarris walker i'm I'm not going to pretend like it the floor doesn't scare me because it really does
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like i said i think he'll be serviceable as a shooter but even if he gets that shot together if that's all that happens you know mr contact diverse non-complete defender who just shoots threes in a mediocre percentage and does some passing Not an ideal, not ideal for me. Certainly not a number five. So, yeah. So where is he on your draft board?
1: So I kind of hinted at this. He was higher probably about a week ago than he had ever been for me. And I had him right, right there in the top five, but I kind of felt that both for the Pistons and just an overall sense of where these players are in a team agnostic context He's probably closer to ten at this wow. point for me. Maybe seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. I, I couldn't have him any higher than seven because there's one guy who snuck up there a lot. Um and I just Who's that? Uh Anthony Black. Ah. And um in general, I think that there is real potential for Walker. I I just don't think that he's a good fit for the Pistons and if that's this the pistons show so that's the context I'm framing it under I think that there are better fits and better players who can maximize both themselves and the players we already have on the roster mm-hmm. at five if we trade down sure I mean Jarus Walker at seven i I really couldn't complain because. You're getting a guy with at least very good basketball mind in the building, and hopefully you can just build him up. And but you're getting the value of trading down from five with him, which probably marginal in this draft. Still, it's
0: extra value. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, if the Pistons were to trade down, I'd probably be more interested in Hendrix. But uh, as as far as my draft board goes, I mean, I'm just thinking about the you know the typical four guys, which would be. Walker, Hendricks, Whitmore, and Asar Thompson. He would be four out of four there for me. I feel like Asar oh, wow. just, yeah. I feel like Asar. I don't. I'm not hot on him, but I feel like you know you have to consider again. Yeah, you have to consider fit. Nobody's looking at at Wallace, I, I would guess, and saying you know best player available. But even with best player available, I think is a very reductive way of thinking about it. The Pistons aren't a blank slate at this point, so fit is important, and I think the fit is bad. I think he doesn't have a particularly good ceiling. And and I hate his version of contact. I just hate it.
1: Yeah, he's just not your player. Yeah, no, not at all. That's fair.
0: Uh, all right, any closing thoughts?
1: Again, I think i've I've wound up where I started, but I I sort of see the upside to the point where I think that there is a good player there, but I just don't think that the the fit with the Pistons is good enough to justify a top five pick and in that case we should look elsewhere i would hope we would look elsewhere
0: yeah i would say i mean just to go back to it it's not that he's not my type of player i think that the contact aversion is going to hamstring him yeah it's going to be yeah but uh yeah both can be true (laughs) yeah for sure yeah i just didn't want it to come off it's just like oh i really don't like players like that i think it's going to be it would be a real problem for him but Even absent that, I think he would not be a good pick for the Pistons. Not preferable. All right, so uh, that'll be it for this episode, folks. Next week will be Taylor Hendricks. And Price, thank you again for joining. Yes, absolutely. And so we'll catch you in the next episode.